Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode 145. My name is Kieran Lefebvre and I am joined by a black belt gym owner extraordinaire, Adam Childs. Kieran, what's up, my man? Yo. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, we are here, episode 145, which is our uh, first episode of now a recurring series of mm. every 10 episodes we talk about a particular position, technique, you know, whatever it is that we've been working on for the last sort of two months in jiu-jitsu. Uh, people who have listened for a while would know that we've spoken about intentional training like multiple times. It comes up not just in our podcast, but a lot of athletes, competitors, people know this and do this. They train with intention. Uh mm. You know, which a lot of people don't, but we're no different. But we thought, well, why don't we sort of publicize the things that we are training with intention? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the idea for- is that we'll, because this is every 10 episodes, the it works out really well that every 10 weeks we'll update you on a new position or a new sequence that we're working on. And we're, we're going to change it, obviously. Uh, and it keeps, well, it keeps me accountable. Uh, so I, I can actually progress my jujitsu when I'm unsupervised. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And Adam's going to, you know, share what he's been working on and get, we're going to get some good insight there, uh, from a black belt's perspective on how black belt, uh, and a head coach nonetheless works on a technique without any, uh, any direct input from another coach. So that would be really interesting for me to learn your system in more detail. Yeah, like because it's uh, I've spoken about this before that you know I guess regardless of the belt color, right, doesn't really matter. But like at a you get to a certain point in jujitsu where I guess you start being able to incredibly problem solve by yourself like obviously you know you can be one month in and try to figure stuff out by yourself or you could be one day in and you try to figure stuff out by yourself like there's no issue with that but obviously there's a certain point you get to and it'd be different for everyone i guess but you know you get to a certain level of experience where you can quite successfully problem solve by yourself um or sometimes you're forced into that situation, but like prior to that, you usually have someone, an instructor, or hire more, more, more senior training partners with you who you can quite easily turn to, ask a question, and get given, you know, one of many solutions. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, yeah, like you've kind of, like you said, unsupervised. So we're now in a forced sort of problem solving situation. Um, I guess, yeah, it's been similar for me since since I uh you know open my own gym and kind of do my own thing. I mean there's still so many resources out there oh, yeah. in terms of instructionals and stuff like that, but you yeah. know there's also a lot to be learnt and figured out by yourself. And uh and I think when you get to that point is when you really have a big kind of um power spike in your jujitsu really. Like it has some type you know, to some extent has diminishing returns, but you know once you once you move into that you, you know i think i i i've explained it before where it's kind of like like any any job you could be you know 
an engineer or you could be a, a you know a team leader or a project management or whatever uh but let's say like you're fresh out of uni engineer like everything you do is going to be supervised even if you solve a problem by yourself like the lead engineer on the project is going to be double checking your work and whatnot but obviously if you get to the point in your career where you're you know the or one of the top engineers on a project like problems happen and there's no one to turn to and ask oh how do i fix this like you got to figure it out yourself and so yeah i find when you get to that point of jujitsu yeah you have a bit of a power spike in your ability to to yeah figure stuff out progress learn and yeah certain ex- a level of diminishing returns but it's a uh, <laughs> on the flip side though it's very frustrating when you can't find the solution you know yeah. and um and you really wish you could just you know turn to that instructor or that athlete who's an expert in that particular area because sometimes you might you might own every single john Denneher dvd but there's one specific like question that you have about one particular little detail and not you might not necessarily find that answer watching all the instructionals and you just wish when you can't figure it out you just wish you could turn to that person and be like this keeps when i try this this keeps happening i don't know why what am i doing wrong like you know so it can be frustrating to not have (laughs) have someone just like give you the answer sometimes yeah totally um but in in saying that should we reveal what the people already know about yeah i mean yeah the last couple of episodes We see the the funny thing with the podcasting world, and this is something that people have brought up to me before listening to this podcast, is we assume that everyone listening has heard all of the episodes that we've released that is up to date with all <laughs> yeah. of our banter. So when yeah, we say, oh, we, we've already spoken right? about that, like we've already spoken about this thing, so we won't repeat it. Uh, and then people are like, I, I have no idea who the fuck you guys are. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, yeah. Adam, what technique have you been working on and what are you going to talk about with us today? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've been working on for the last two months, um, really focusing in on, on Choi bars, which for those who don't know, it's, 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 it's an arm bar, right? As you may have guessed, but a Choi bar is essentially an entry done from the bottom, right? From a guarded position, usually, and it's an entry into a belly down armbar really. Uh, and so that's what I've been focusing on pretty much exclusively. But it's funny, right? You focus on something, especially when it's one technique rather than just saying like, Oh my God, or even, or, you know, or even, even, uh, you know, more than that. Like you might be saying like, you know, or X guard or, half guard or whatever Mm. there's still you know you say okay i've been working on half guard there's still lots of things from half guard what can you do from half guard well choi bars is one of them but you know there's sweeps there's you know entries into leg entanglements there's like so many things but when it's like one specific move almost from just like one specific position your training partners very quickly start you know, cluing into this one thing that you're relentlessly trying nonstop. Yeah. So it becomes increasingly more difficult to do, which is also kind of a cool thing because then, you know, you it start sort of the layers of the onion start unraveling and you can start finding other ways there. Or then that's also when you start 
seeing things like um, like you know other things that present themselves while you're while you're on the hunt for that particular position. Yeah, and you unlock different branches <coughs> of that tree. If we imagine, you know, hunting for the, the end point, right? Which in your case is the choy bar by doing that relentlessly and it being so niche and so specific like you're saying then your training partners will offer different problems or they'll try and avoid the position and then you have all of a sudden opened up all these different branches in and around to the choy bar or branches off the choy bar and it just like builds that web out from that one niche position for you yeah so so going to give some context like going into it um like there's certain when i think about what I'm choosing to work on. I guess I'm at a point in my in my career and in my personal jujitsu that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not really competing and chasing a world title and things like that. So I'm not exclusively looking to do things that will, you know, in air quotes, make me better or so to speak. Like, of course, any sort of de- any sort of deliberate practice is going to make you better. But I also have the fact that I don't have this one singular goal of winning, you know, mm. whatever competition. I have the the liberty to kind of choose a technique that that I just think is fun or looks cool or you know plugs a hole in my game that okay that hole almost never becomes apparent. But I just feel like closing that hole you know like yeah you do (laughs) you know what i mean so um dirty boy (laughs) but i guess you know choy bars were were quite are quite complementary to the way i play guard but the 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 reason i chose them was that i don't know i just wanted i in nogi particularly i i play a lot of z guard sort of Z guard high knee shield Mm -hmm. is kind of the guard that I prefer to play. And I just wanted another attack from there. You know, it was going, becoming a bit stale with training partners in the sense that, you know, if I could get in under the legs, that was fine. But people started like being really sort of sprawl heavy back and make it really hard. And then, you know, I I don't mind wrestling up, but you know, sometimes you, you know, it's a bigger dude or you don't feel like, you know, I'm not a wrestler. So it's not like, it's not like the sort of thing that I could just do all day and every day. Or, you know, you've cop one too many guillotines from wrestling up and you're like, oh, fuck it. You know, um, so I just kind of wanted another attack from there. But yeah, so I started from a place of not really being able to do them at all and actually being quite terrible at them. You know, I would say if I was to look at all the half guard submissions that you can do from the bottom, I would say probably my worst one would be a Kimura, you know, like I really don't like. Yeah. Which is interesting because I don't mind Kimuras from the top, you know, like a Kimura from, um, you know, top half guard that might lead into a guard pass or a Kimura trap roll or like North South Kimuras or Kimuras from side control. Um, and I like that shoulder manipulation. I like Umna Platas a lot in the, in the gear. Yeah. You could have Umna Platas. But Kimuras just have never felt, great for me and okay do you think it's because of your long arms i don't know i actually so this is like kind of connecting to some of the the insights i've had to troy bars over these two months and 
you know, I feel pretty comfortable with them now and I feel like at least for my game, I've definitely progressed a lot in the in the two months regarding the, the position and the submission. But um, one of the things that I don't like about the Kimura, and this will this will make sense when we come back to, to talk about the Choi Bar, is let's say I'm like half guard on the bottom and I'm lying on my left side. Mm. So so to reach over for the Kimura, it's my right arm that reaches over the top right and comes in round behind the armpit to lock it up. Like mm-hmm. if people, they don't even have to hide their hand very much. Like if, if I don't have the Kimura as in the hand out from, from the belly straight away, like the the reverse Kimura is just so strong against me, I feel. Not as in, like, people don't even need to attack it. Like, I just feel really weak in the back of my shoulder there. Like, when people hide their hand and try to, I don't enjoy that position at all. Like, when they bring their arm up in front of them for the reverse talk on your shoulder. Yeah, and I mean, even if they're not attacking it, just the Mm. fact of them hiding their hand is already like Mm. a a lot of tension on my shoulder. It's not like shoulders are a particular problem joint for me. Like, you know, my knees are my worst joints. That's where I've had all my surgeries. But I just don't, don't, I don't like it, you know. And, um, but, so when we look at Choi Bars, the entrance is different. So you do reach in that same sort of manner but that in this case right arm doesn't like come all the way over the top and punch in through the back to get like a figure four grip it's like your your other hand kind of reaches a bit deeper so you get this gable grip like a shoulder clamp grip you know but like on the back of the elbow tricep sometimes even shoulder area and that that because then like my my right arm, my elbow isn't flared up that then translates to, to tension in the shoulder. It's like tucked in nice and tight and I feel real strong there that um, even when I might get the Choi Bar entry in terms of like connecting the gable grip, but they're hiding their hand, like I don't I don't I don't have any discomfort in my shoulder. So so that was one of the big things that like I kind of first notice I was like man this is like so much better for me it's like such a similar ish entry to at least the way where I was doing it from right and I was doing it from like from from Z guard half guard knee shield sort of position you know you can do it as well like a, a lot of people do it um if someone's trying to pass directly sort of round to north south with not without giving you the the option to attack their legs and then people will attack a choy bar from there uh, almost like a K guard entry on the arms, which I've just, had. Go on. Sorry, just from I was just when you finished. Can you talk us through the full uh, Choi Bar sequence from that Z guard, half guard, or even knee shield uh, from the left hand side? So we've got on the left, you're reaching up, gable gripping either the behind the elbow, tricep, or in some cases the shoulder. Where do we go from there? Okay, so for this particular s- setup, and this was the main one that I pretty much was focusing on, um, rather than, yeah, these sort of reverse K-guard entries into it, which if that mm. doesn't make sense to you, um, that was what predominantly Lachlan Giles was trying to do against um, 
was it Ty or Cade that he fought? I can't recall which of the Rotolo brothers it was that he fought at ADCC. <coughs> but that was the predominant entry he was trying to do. Um, so not like that. I was doing it from Z guard, uh, half guard. So, um, yeah, I, I've learned quite quickly that I felt that it was better to do from a high knee shield, okay, okay. rather than Z guard. And I'll explain a bit more in a second why. But yeah, so you're looking for that that um, far arm the same way you would look for it if someone was if you were looking for a Kimura. Okay. Yep. But yeah, rather than having to dive that top arm all the way over, you're just looking to gable grip around the, the elbow tricep area. Mm-hmm. And that's the ideal position I found to, to, to grip. The reason being is if you grab up near the shoulder, like I'm not doing a shoulder clamp sweep, right? Mm-hmm. If I grab up near the shoulder, like it's really hard for them to pull their arm out because I have their shoulder, like they can't, if they can't free their shoulder, their arm's not coming out. However, it doesn't allow you to, to, to really internally rotate. I mean, it does, it does allow you to internally rotate the shoulder a good amount, but like I really want that, the wrist to flip backwards. Okay, so when you grip at the, yeah. when, you, when you make that gable grip behind the tricep and sort of elbow area, your bottom arm, so in this case, my left arm, the side mm-hmm. I'm lying on, lying on my left mm-hmm. side, and you really start to like chicken wing that and pry that open and out, that facilitates like the, the flipping out of their, their wrist, right? It's doing the action that if it was a Kimura, it's doing the action of my hand that's holding the wrist and it's pushing, right? Yep. Um, so that's like the, the grip you're looking for. You're then crucially, you have to not get flattened out, right? This is also why mm. the shoulder is not the ideal place to grip because then that shoulder can just turn into a cross face, yeah. right? Like, because you can have their shoulder a little bit into, like think about when you put shoulder pressure, right? If you cross face someone and you're putting shoulder pressure, you're internally rotating your shoulder on your own. So what does that mean? It means internal shoulder rotation does not equal like, external elbow rotation if mm. you know what i mean right i know exactly what you mean so you don't want to get it's the same with the uh sorry the shoulder clamp sweep sometimes if you go for that you can give yourself a cross face by pulling right? your shoulder into you yeah yeah exactly so um so you don't want to get flattened out and cross-faced so then going back to why i found that doing it from a knee shield was better is your knee shield leg it needs to go one of two ways. It, like it needs to get on the other side of their head. So I want my leg on the same side of their head as the arm that I'm attacking. And so you kind of got two ways you can do that. You can either go all the way over their head, which is the option you would do if you kind of start getting flattened out. But you know, to do that, their, their head essentially needs to get shoved down in between your legs. So it's a bit harder to do, to go all the way over their head and then land your foot on their hip. Okay. So with a high knee shield, it's usually a little easier to then get your shin up against their face, right? Their face, neck, collarbone area. Mm. And you can extend your hip a bit to push their face away. And then you just like pummel or like slingshot your shin and foot the rest of the way over their head and landed on the hip, right? 
Okay, so can you can you go over that again? So we have the, the gable grip on the tricep area. We have a high knee shield. In this case, we're on our left-hand side, so the, our right leg is the knee shield. Yeah. When you say push the shin up against their collarbone neck area, are you saying you're pushing your your shin up against the left side of their face? And then no, we'll, no, 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 no. It would be the right side of their face. Right, so you're my, getting it in my, the other way. Like I, I uh, want to push okay. them. I want to push their head away from me. Got you, right? got you. So... So when you go from so Z the, guard, when okay, you go yep. from Z guard, you obviously from Z guard you can sometimes struggle to then get your shin and knee up in between both of you and your opponent's belly and chest to put a mm. wedge, a shin in front of their face, pushing them away. Whereas if you go it from starts high, so low, because it starts so low, and then yeah. you know, and you know they might be starting to flatten you out, or whatever. Uh, I've got, Whereas I've if got you go action, from a high yeah. knee shield. Your knee and shin is kind of already up on their pec sho- shoulder area, and you've just yep. got to get it to the other side of their face. Yep. Right? Yep, and you. then it's a wedge pushing them away, and then you just let your shin like flick over their head, right? To put your foot on the hip. Right, got you. So you're, you're now, we all visualize this together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're on your left. You've got the gable grip. You've got a high knee shield on their right hand, on their, uh, sorry on their left-hand side, you're then going to bring your knee in to wedge it up against the right of your opponent's face, right? And create a wedge between you and their head. So their head is looking away from you now when you're wedging it, ideally. And then when you say to flick your your uh, shin over, are you essentially saying that you want to take your shin from being up against the uh, right-hand side of their face to then over their head? Yeah, so you end up, instead of having your shin on their face, your hamstring on their yes, face. Yes, got it. Right? Yeah, I'm with you. And then your and left leg in this case is still in My left guard. leg's still in half guard, which is got important, it. Yep. To, important to understand as we dive into more detail. Um, okay. But um, I don't want to... I'm trying to... This is probably really the most detailed we've tried to talk about a one particular technique in an audio mm. format so and it's things we yeah. mentioned it multiple times that the difficulty in trying to describe the complexities of a technique yeah. audibly but um so i'm I trying think to I'm, be, I'm there i'm, I'm there I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, tra- I'm trying to be detailed with not yeah. being like well this is a listening to this is a waste of my time because it's like Man, right so i think just go for it just give as much detail as you can and and i'll try and be the the friendly white belt here that's going <laughs> to slow us down. Well, um, yeah, so anyway, so then we land in essentially a belly down armbar kind of position, right? So that foot that's passed over the head is going to kind of sit on their hip. Yep. Okay. And then on their this hip. Is, right, so you bring it, your hamstrings all, all, on their face, the and you're bringing all, so you're really curling that down. You're, you're complete. yeah, it's like sitting on, it's going to sit on their hip the same way like on the on the hip that's where their hands tucked in defending the submission, right? On there, all the way around to the other hip. Well, I'm when lost. my leg, my, <laughs> <laughs> well, think think I'm I'm on my side, right? Yep, you're on your left hand side. Yep. Well, think just picture a belly down armbar, right? Mm-hmm. And that leg that's usually going like think when you end up in a belly down armbar for whatever yep. reason. Yeah. And think that leg that would typically be going across their belly, not the leg that would be going across their head. 
Think about yeah. that head, leg that would t- instead of it going across their belly, it's stepping on their hip that's closest to me on the outside. Right, so I can step on it and push them away to pull the arm out that they're def- that they're hiding. Right. I thought this was the easiest part of the explanation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or still yes. a little bit lost? I'm still. I I I thought I had it, but now I've I've got disorientated. Um, <laughs> yeah, do a quick Google ask while we go yeah, over yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so why why you Google that image? So you, you know, I feel like we should play like an ad here that goes pause the video if you do, you know those ones that are like pause now if you don't want the answer revealed while you're trying yeah, to figure out the, right. the the brain teaser that's playing in the in the video. Um, once you get, once you see an image, Kieran, or you understand what I'm saying, you're going to be like, oh yeah, oh, fucking of course. I'm just going to Google belly down up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so nothing like, from Joy Bar. Uh, yeah, Sorry, go we on. Put, if we belly down, belly down armbar, see if we can find yep, it. Yeah, yeah. So I got a, I got a belly down. I understand a belly down armbar, right? And so you're saying that the, the, the leg that's normally across the belly is on their hip. That hip that's closest to me. Because then yep. my leg never, my leg passed all the way over their head, so it didn't thread in across their belly yet. I just stepped it on uh, their hip, so I can like deadlift away from them to pull the arm out. Do you know uh, what I mean now? Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, so that's where we got to. Okay. Now, yeah. This is um. So this is where I think it's a bit of an insight into the way that I would learn. A, a particular technique or something. So this is where I got to, and obviously it didn't, you know, it was very obvious for me to say, you know, a, a Troy bar is essentially just an entry to a belly down arm bar, right? Mm. Is a, is essentially what it is really from, from the way that I'm setting it up. Yeah. And then that was very obvious, but I guess I never really put much thought into that. Right. Mm. But then once I was, you know, more or less successfully, doing the entry with, you know, like a few modifications and stuff, you know, like minor details of to, like I said, instead of starting from Z guard, starting from, you know, a knee shield and, you know, which way my leg comes over their face and, and whatever. This is then how the self learning process sort of went for me. And then I was like, well, this is quite interesting. I keep finding myself in what's a belly down armbar you know what I'm really shit at? Finishing belly down armbars, <laughs> right? Um, and I, I knew that I knew that prior to going into the the project, if you will. I knew that prior to going in. But like I said, I never really put any thought into it. I was just like, yeah, Troy bars, that'd be cool to learn. Um, so then, so then I completely changed my approach to training. I was like, okay, well, I really just need to start getting better at finishing belly down arm bars. Mm. So I started less prioritizing, I guess, the Troy bar entry a little bit and just started looking for belly down arm bars from everywhere. Unfortunately, they're a little harder to come by. They're not super easy to set up, except from Turtle, in my experience. Um, yeah. So then... Well, well um, you have it right there. You can just jump on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending even where, like four how post. I like taking a belly yeah. down armbar from four post. Yeah. Posting? Yeah, because then the total. arm's a bit more exposed. Mm-hmm. So then I just Jumping. started, um, you know, mounting people and like kind of trying to bait them into 
ter- bridging and turning and right you know, and um and then that sort of had a trickle down effect of me realizing that I had opponents or training partners giving me belly down arm bars more than I realized because I never mm. used to go for them because I was so bad at finishing them. You know, if someone was essentially bridging to escape mount and, you know, giving the option for a belly down arm bar, I would typically value just trying to flatten them back out and retain mount more mm. than going for that submission. So then I started I, just... Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. I was, I was just going to say, I also like, funnily enough that my ears perked up earlier in the conversation when you, you were talking about the entry to the Choi Bar is similar to, uh, like, think about it, similar to reaching over for a Kimura. I've been getting a, in, in that Kimura position a lot and transitioning, like, essentially, instead of doing the Choi Bar entry, doing, like, a Kimura entry to the same, exact same belly down armbar. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, see, there you go. Right. Because you could do the Choi Bar entry with a Kimura grip, or 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 vice versa. Like you could do a Choi Bar compl- exactly as the way I described, mm. and then get all the way to where I'm talking about, and then switch to a Kimura grip and and mm-hmm. rip the arm out and finish the Kimura instead of oh, a exactly. f- instead yeah. of finishing a belly down armbar. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I started just attacking belly down arm bars more mm. which led to the next natural progression of the <laughs> the great choi bar experiment right <laughs> <laughs> which, like um, audio effect the great great um and yeah it resulted in me becoming much more comfortable in in finishing belly down arm bars um and figuring out details that had it's not like they hadn't been taught to me like i mean they hadn't been taught to me but but not from lack of teaching just from mm. i don't know just it's a quite a niche little thing that i figured out that was problematic for me in belly down armbars and it was it was kind of two things it was one obviously didn't have a problem finishing them if if they weren't hiding their hand right like if the grip was broken and the arms fully extended good to go but i had two main problems one which was like breaking the grip and the other was mm. people defending a belly down armbar and essentially like doing f- to for to keep the explanation simple essentially just like doing a kind of headstand cartwheel and then landing inside control on top right like just kind of spinning out of it if you will yeah. jumping over you know and so they were yeah. the two things that tended to happen for me in belly down arm bars. So, um, so I managed to fix those two problems as well, which by not by doing anything super crazy, I, well, no. I want to hear how you, how you dealt with breaking the grip. And then I want to hear how you dealt with the, that jump over. So what I found with breaking the grip, I found that the value or the power was really in that gable grip and that chicken winging lever right that 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 I had on the elbow because it it really added for me a weight like a lot more torque like your your when you gable grip your ability to like drop and lift the opposite elbows and this mm-hmm. that lever is so strong uh think of a half that, nelson yeah like it's just crazy crazy strong that I found it was way stronger 
for me especially than like to pry the hand out the same way you would to finish a Kimura from that position mm-hmm. way stronger for me than a Kimura grip would be. Like I can never pry the arm out. Really? With, bro, never. Like, but I can like that gable grip, like, I don't know. I feel like maybe my forearms are super sharp. I don't know. I feel really good there. My mm. ability to like have one forearm chop down on the back of your tricep and the other forearm lift your forearm right to like rotate your elbow which is obviously going to lift the wrist and help pop it out i found that really really crucial to 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 pop so in in this case your left if we imagine again we're on the left side you've already done the entry your right arm is chopping down on the tricep while your left arm is prying up the forearm yeah, like that's the way right. I'm trying to break. So instead of pulling yeah. the hand out to break the grip, you're I'm twisting trying to twist it out. It out. Yeah. And and if you think back to a lot of the armbar grip breaks that you've mm-hmm. done with me from a standard armbar, you know, and people are defending it and when their forearms are linear, right? Their grip is really strong, but if you can yep. turn one forearm 90 degrees to the other, it, their grip becomes really weak. Right, so so that's kind of what I'm trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that same sort of thing, and mm-hmm. um, that in combination with understanding how I was, uh, how people would def- not even I don't even know if they were defending it, or more me making the mistake of how I was ending up in side control mm-hmm. on the bottom when I lost it. Um made me way more comfortable there. So what I realized is, is uh, here's, that's going to get a bit more detailed in your leg position and, and the slight variation in this belly down armbar opposed to one that you might hit from turtle or mount. So this belly down armbar coming from half guard means you've still got that bottom leg in half Mm -hmm. guard. What's really important I learned through multiple failures of this, uh, what's really important in a belly down armbar and not allowing someone to, you know, jump over the top is which side of your legs, your shins rather, their head is. So a regular belly down armbar that you hit from mount or turtle, you, you usually cut your shin across the back of their head, right? Yep. And you, okay. So that results in you having a, like a hook on the back of their neck, sort of thing, mm-hmm. which, um, which controls their posture. But what's important yeah. is if, if your opponent can pass their head to the shin side of both of your legs, right? When they're in mm-hmm. a belly down armbar, they can jump over the top. They can, they can just like then just put their forehead on the mat, right? Yep. And just kind of jump and spin. 270 degrees or whatever it is, and they'll land in side control, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you have that shin on the back of their head, in theory, their head is on the correct side to defend it, but because you're, you're breaking their posture, they can't lift their own head off the mat to pass it over the other leg, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You with me so far? I'm with Cause, you. Yeah, because a traditional one, that my right leg in this case would already be threaded through across their belly. Yes. And right. A traditional one. I'd have that leg would be threaded through across their belly and my other leg would be hooking the back of their head. 
Yes. Right? Yep. Yep. So, so in I the could... Choi bar, it's it's not that left leg is hooking is in, is, their leg. It's in half guard. It's it's in half guard, right? Yeah. But just but just dialing back for a second, right? I can't really. If we ignore, let's imagine I don't have that pressure on the back of their head with that little hook. We're talking about a traditional belly down armbar right now. Mm-hmm. Let's imagine I'm not breaking their posture with okay. that shin on the back of their head and my other legs threaded through across their belly. Yep. If I'm not breaking their posture, I don't have any way to stop them lifting their head over my leg that's across their belly and passing to side control. I have nothing, nothing stopping nothing. that. Yep. Right. So when we, that's why it's fine in a belly down armbar. I'm breaking the posture. It's crucial. And, and they can't sort of cartwheel out in, mm-hmm. in simple terms. But with this Troy by entry from half guard, my bottom leg is in half guard. It's not breaking their posture. Okay. So if that leg that we got confused upon when I talked about it stepping on the hip, if mm-hmm. I let, if I thread that leg through straight away, mm-hmm. right well then I can't stop them from passing over it. And I'm not in a great position for that one leg to like my half guard isn't closed. I just have that bottom leg in a super shitty half guard. So the person comes up on a tripod, passes their head to the other side of that leg that you threaded through. And they can kind of just jump over your half guard. Cause it's just one shitty leg. You're like you don't have a closed half guard at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they pass. So I, this is, this is what I figured out how it was happening. Okay, so, so that is, is that why when you were saying that you keep it on the near side hip closest to you, is that why you do that? Exactly. So, so now not only is that foot there to help kind of like deadlift and push them away and assist in the grip break, oh, that's but super it also helps me like as they try to kind of run around to, to, tripod and walk over your head in a similar fashion to how you defend an umba platter. They can't. Yeah, I'm pushing pushing that hip hip away and I push their hip away and you can arch your upper body and head away so you maintain the status quo, right? And they can't. If you break the grip, then you're sweet. That leg can kind of thread through because the arm's extended and they're going to do a shitty roll and land in a normal arm bar and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, So all this combined, then the last thing that kind of added on to this was that a lot of the time in combination with what I found this fulcrum of the gable grip to pry the hand out and being much better at maintaining the belly down position. And for those who are, well, if you're still confused now and you've been confused the whole time, might be a bit like, might be a bit late for you, but but I want to give it a go explaining because I have a video up and I I think I can try and, Watch no, well, through. no I was, well, I was just going to say something very simple, which was that um, a lot of people get confused with belly down armbars. They think them as the attacker turns belly down. No, no it's, it's called opponent, a yeah. yeah, it's called a belly down armbar because your opponent is belly down. More specifically, yeah. they're usually in turtle position, right? By the time you're in the finishing position, so all this combined, you know, kind of um, facilitated a lot of people rolling or sometimes like the combination of how close the arm is to popping out and how desperate they are trying to like tripod and walk their legs over my head that I could just kind of, you know, often 
let go of the gable grip and free ahead and just kind of like push them over, just like throw their legs over my head, but not to side control. They would like flip over like they did a forward roll and then land in a regular armbar. Do you ever try and chase them? This is like a little <laughs> bit of an aside question and sort of talking about a belly down position in general and then the choy Byron cheek because it is a belly down armbar position. Do you ever keep inverting? Because we're finishing, do you try and finish on the side? Let me start that question again. When you're in this position, do you try and finish your armbar on the side or do you keep going and go belly down yourself and finish with your face on the mat and sort of chase them through the that armbar? You, I, I finish on my on my side because okay. like if you, if you go, <clears throat> you could get it face down. Excuse mm-hmm. me. <clears throat> you could get it face down, but um, if you then, like it takes off a lot of internal rotation off their shoulder, and once their shoulder externally rotates past a certain point, past a critical point, they're gonna be able to like rotate and pass to side control you know like think, sorry think in of, this case are they do they still have their grip oh uh well i mean it i guess it doesn't really matter if they still have right. their grip or not but i, I guess i was I, thinking I, they didn't have it I, I was more thinking the finishing mechanic because oh, the reason it, i'm asking i often do that i often if after i've broken it on the side in that position i then chase them around if they try and like jump or whatever and then i end up um belly down myself yeah, I mean, I guess like it kind of depends like what way they jump and turn and rotate to some degree. Yeah, they're, but they're but I yeah. but I also understand what you're saying about like inverting. Like often, mm. if you're in a belly down armbar position, and someone like jumps over you to defend, you can kind of re-invert back in under to a regular armbar. Because yeah. if you look at how a belly down armbar, um you know, propagates from a regular closed guard armbar. It's from getting stacked and you kind of pulling yourself in underneath them. And so you can kind of, sometimes that happens in the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's also other things like, you know, this wasn't a new addition to the sequence, if you will. But for those who don't know, you can often, if you're attacking a belly down armbar, that if you remember back, we just mentioned it often can come about from turtle well, you can do that in the reverse. So sometimes I would, you know, hit my Troy bar entry from half guard bottom, whatever, and then just be really struggling to break the grip and like I'm just not getting it or something. And then the option to kind of double back and then come out to turtle and attack the back was there too. How, you do, know, you, so- how do you come out? So if you're, are you still on your side here or you go belly down all the way and then bring out your, bring your half guard hook out? Yeah, that half, that, that half guard leg is usually coming out for sure. Yep. Yeah. And then it goes like all bit, the way around the head and then ta- attack turtle from there. Yeah. Like it's a bit easier from a traditional belly down armbar to like switch back and, and attack mm-hmm. the back. But yeah, like that was nothing new to, that was no extra addition to where I started, you know, two right. months ago. Um, Cause that was something I kind of already did maybe cause I was so bad at belly down armbars that I would quite yeah. quickly started ditching them to, to try chase the back instead. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think as a, as a whole, if we were to summarize my, my Choi bar experience, like it's definitely like, I'm quite happy with the, the, the progress. Like I feel like I have another legitimate attack from a guard that I already play, 
you know, it's rather than other other, you know, deliberate trainings I've done where I maybe got better at something, but still at the end of two months was like, yeah, fuck that position or technique. I don't really like it. Um, you know, I feel actually like, oh, I've actually added another attack to my game that is legitimate and will work. And, you know, and it also had, you know, uh, the added benefit of being like, oh man, now I'm actually super willing and happy to jump on belly down arm bars when mm. people, you know, bridge and roll and whatever and it's there because you know and then it also i now actually feel really good about like forcing them from mm. from um from turtle as well because you know the you know the grip that has become you know let's just say in the last six months like the if you were to say a technique or a grip was in vogue at the moment in jiu-jitsu or if you six months ago was the, the power half from turtle yep. position, right? Uh-huh. So, man, so I've like, I was essentially more or less connecting a power half, right? Kind of, but I wasn't prioritizing forearm pressure on the back of the head. I was prioritizing like the getting Crying that game. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So like I started like really aggressively attack not aggressively as in like fuck you take an elbow to the head you know but i just started really attacking them from from turtle you know so so when you if i may when you do that say for example you are in like a, a turtle position you do have the power half but instead of prioritizing the you know on the back of the head you're really prying their arm out you're hypothetically let's say we're attacking their left arm so if we're all imagining that we're attacking a turtle position we're attacking um, the left arm we're on their right side have the gable grip push down on on the back of the head or whatever or take take the arm out right so your left leg in this case is going to slip in behind their head and your right leg is going to go over their face for the belly down arm bar the the right leg's gonna well in yeah in this case from turtle you're gonna land in a belly down arm bar position right you're not going to have that leg stuck in half guard um yeah. uh so the side that you described it, my right shin is cutting across the back of the head. Yep. Right. And my okay. left foot's going to go over their lower back to step my foot on their hip. And in this case oh, can yeah. thread through if I get yeah, the space. Cause I'm, I have yeah. the posture broken with that foot on the back of their head, which means they can't mm-hmm. pass their head to the other side of my leg and pass the side control. Mm-hmm. And that power half grip in this side that you're describing, rather than my right forearm being on the back of their head, trying to force them to roll so I can take the back like that right forearm is going to be like chicken wing to pry their arm open as you cut mm-hmm. the shin across the back of the head mm-hmm. you know so um, after two months like i've i feel really good about it. like you know am i a bloody you know expert on choy bars of course not but for me i i went into it just being like oh yeah they're pretty cool and maybe give me a, a new attack give me another option from a position where my students who i train with all the time kind of mm-hmm. are very used to my game and so, yeah, I've come away with not only vastly improving my knowledge of Troy bars, I've gotten a good entry from the guard I play. I've gotten another submission attack from Turtle. I've gotten yeah. the confidence to, you know, attack belly down arm bars and way more technical knowledge and ability to finish belly down arm bars. So it actually kind of was one of the, one of the deliberate trainings that has probably had the biggest return on investment for me in the last sort of year. 
That's really awesome. So it's funny you you mentioned uh, bef- just before we started recording. You're like, hey, let's talk about what we thought about the position before, and then what we think about it now uh, as a sort of format to the episode. And it's really ironic that coming into this episode, I had an idea of what you know the key elements of a choy bar were. And now that you've explained it in more detail from a half guard position, it's completely different. And I know I was uh, looking at some photos and a video of Craig Jones doing it while you were talking and it, it did help a lot. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Rod, listening, but I was over here fucking hacking the system. Uh, but when I learned Choi Bar for the first time, it was probably, I, I mean, I can't speak for you, but maybe it was the first time that someone had really sat down and taught it to you as well, was when uh, Lachlan Giles did his armbar seminar. At, yeah, it at, was uh, for Vantage. me as well. It was the first time someone really like sat down and yeah. was like... Spent three this, hours on armbars. Yeah, yeah. Joy Bar yeah. was about 30 minutes, but still. And in that, but in that seminar, I believe we did the setup from half guard, but the emphasis was Choi Bar from that uh, when they're trying to pass north-south, which is what you mentioned. And then it looks like more of a K-guard entry. And now that we've sort of spoken about the position, hopefully you can maybe imagine that um like imagine. yeah like i mean there's still i um like yeah i obviously recall when 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 we were with Lockie. i don't recall mm. us doing it from half guard like i don't know, i'm not yeah. i'm not saying i'm not saying we didn't but yeah the emphasis was definitely on more that sort of um entry from someone trying to pass around your leg straight to north south exactly and, you know so it's not like i walked out of that seminar being like Oh, oh, yeah, I understand um, this now. You yeah. know, or, or like, yeah, I'm going to work on Troy Bars. I mean, that mm. seminar was fucking almost a year ago now or whatever mm. it was. It was um, probably a year, yeah. Yeah, but, and I, and I didn't really click with that entry as well because it, just because it, not that it's not good, it's just not, kind of just didn't click with my game and the way I move. And, I, you know, I love a K guard entry, mm. but I don't know, it just felt very <coughs> like, last minute for me to get my legs into the correct position to catch yep. it without Loose. without getting yeah fuck yeah but um yeah so but that i mean i guess having Lockie there definitely helped me have some sort of um idea before pursuing it but um but yeah it's been it's been a good sort of two months of training mm. that's what i thought that entry is what i thought a choy bar was now that you've described it from half guard, I fucking love it. I see myself absolutely uh, doing choy bars. And I, like I mentioned, I had like this, you know, click moment halfway through where it's like, oh, I end up in that position a lot from a Komora. I use a Komora to enter into that armbar, that belly down armbar all the time, particularly lately. So what I'm, what I'm going to take away from this is my next two months in episode one fifty five is going to be choy bars, baby. Well, well, why not? Like, I mean, I already spoke way longer about like I was expecting to speak for fucking, you know, twenty minutes on. No, that's um, super interesting though. I found a, that really a, really interesting on a choy bar, and then and then um, yeah, and then that and then that'll be it. But yeah, also, you know, at least for me, I found it the one from half guard just. You know, like, okay, there's times you mess it up, especially in the learning process where you reach for it and you just you just get, like, flattened out yeah. or whatever. The same way that happens with Kimuras too, right? You reach yeah. for a Kimura and you just eat a cross face and get flattened yeah. out. But, yeah. um, you know, because, like, with a Kimura, 
at least comparatively, I feel like the elbow has to be way more open because you've like that arm has got to reach all the way over their shoulder and punch through, right? Yeah. Whereas like for a, a Troy by entry, it's like just that bottom hand kind of needs to punch through that gap and connect the gable grip on the far side. And yeah. then you have the potential from there to, you know, like internally rotate the elbow and whatnot. Yeah. So just for people that are still like not quite there, um, you know, this may be a waste of time, but I'm going to try and describe it as I see it. Um, and let me know, just chime in if I make a mistake in, in what I'm verbalizing. So if we imagine that we are in half guard on the bottom on our left-hand side, you, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they're going for a cross face. It doesn't really matter. You reach over with your left arm underneath their arm and with your right arm over the top, again, imagine you're going for a Kimura, but gable grip your hands. The hand position can be behind the shoulder or as Adam's suggesting, it can be more effective lower down on their arm, on their tricep, because you're at the further, further end of the lever and you have more leverage to pry open their arm. And essentially, you're trying to flip their arm, right? Now, with your leg position, uh, you can go from Z guard or knee shield. As you described, Adam, we're going to take it from knee shield. You're going to bring your shin in onto the uh, onto the other side of their head. So your shin will start on your opponent's left-hand shoulder. You want to bring it in on their right-hand side of their face. And then your shin then flips over the top of their head around the backside of their shoulder and... Now, you stop here. You place your foot onto their hip, right? Their near side hip from this position. So that's what Adam's Adam's saying. And he does that uh, for two reasons. One, to pry the grip open more easily. And two, to stop them from walking around, essentially uh, escaping to side control. Now, the example that Craig is showing here is just sending it all the way through immediately. Craig's uh, fucking belt. way better than me, so do whatever you want, Craig. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it's it's this this video is literally a two minute like thing. I'm sure uh, it, it's just showing the very very basics of the position, and it's also showing it from Z guard. So it's it's different, but it's similar. And then once now, imagine that our our left leg here in this case is still in half guard. Our right leg is now on the near side hip. We still have our gable grip uh, behind their shoulder. Hopefully, you've broken the grip from here. Uh, if not, obviously focus on breaking the grip in many different ways you know how. Or if their grip is already broken, you can finish the armbar by taking control of their wrist. Um, yeah, thumb to the sky, pinky to your chest, and finish the armbar. Yep, that's pretty much it. Hopefully that helped. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so quite enjoyed it. I'm actually a little bit sad that now I've got to move on to something else to work on when, you know, like I... Now I feel like I'm not getting to like reap what I sowed. It's like, well, now I just want to, like, <laughs> I just want to keep doing them because I feel pretty good about them. But um, yeah, no matter what, when you're, you know, it doesn't matter what you're working on in in deliberate training. Obviously, other positions present themselves, or you know, I could Always. be working on I could be working on back escapes next. But you know, maybe I'm doing specific training where it's starting in half guard. You know, woohoo, yeah. Troy bars for day. You know, like whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit a Troy bar tonight and I'll send you a message that I, yeah, that I hit one. Yeah. 
Fuck yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I really hit, thoroughly enjoy that legitimately. Hit, hit it against the, the training partner with the, with the elbows open, the guy who was... Oh, Martin? The, the, yeah, the Martin. He's, he's actually away at the moment, the bastard. And oh, he's going to hear this, so he's going to know I'm going to hunt for it, but I'll still hunt for it. <laughs> yeah, um, shit. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Martin. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I, I, do you want me to quickly talk about Because mine, mine won't take too long because it's pretty conceptual. I haven't really been... I kind of cheated because this is the first time we're doing this episode, recurring episode where we're like, hey, we're going to spend two months specifically working on something and then present it to the, to the class. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, and, and it's really fortuitous, Adam, because you have been working on something specific. Now, I have been working on something specific, but it's, it's been very conceptual. And this comes from uh, after a competition last year, I finished the comp, did well. And you sort of pulled me aside and said, okay, like, good job, well done, you won and all that sort of stuff, but now it's time to work on your guard. Because as a, you know, you're looking at my game, holistically, and I'm not going to speak for you, but you're saying, like, your top pressure's great, you know, when you get on top, you're a fucking menace, um, but in guard, you, you don't pose any problems, you, you're not really, you're trying to survive, you're not, you know... Um, there's no sweeping there. There's no uh, attacks and submission from your guard. Your guard's not dangerous, is I think the terminology you used. So it's like it's time for you to to develop that game. So exclusively for almost, for over three months now, uh, nearly six months, may, probably not that long, but for over three months, I've been working on my guard. Like I've been starting pretty much every role seated. I've been, you know, pulling guard, sitting at the guard, uh, just playing guard, putting myself in that position against everyone, bigger, smaller, doesn't matter. Uh, I've been starting roles in a guarded position and, and trying to focus on it. And uh, man, I have seen insane improvements in my guard. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, but it bears repeating that my training partners in Sweden, they think I'm a guard player. Because I've been doing nothing but playing guard. That's all you've and been doing. It's well, all I've been doing, and they're like, "Fuck your guard is like you know so hard to pass. I can't pass your guard today." Rah rah rah. All this sort of stuff. So they think I I'm a guard player. Not unbeknownst to them, I've spent the last two and a half years of my jujitsu uh, only ex- like trying to exclusively play top. So um, it's it's been really really interesting, and I've I have learned a lot, but I, I distilled it down into a very short list because we have spoken about these concepts before. Adam, you've you've explored them in in great detail, better than I could do. But one, a couple of things. There is a difference between no gear guard and gear guard, obviously. But pretty much between the two, I've been playing a open guard, uh, if you will. So and and half guard, a lot of open guard, a lot of half guard. So that's where my guard has been developing toward. And lately, like I sort of mentioned with me looking for those kimuras and everything, I've been really. Uh, honing in on my half guard game as well so it was awesome to to get a fucking uh, 50 minute um audio but still a tutorial on choy bars that was great so the the concepts is this is for open guard specifically is always keep your feet pointed toward your opponent now i think that levi jones leary explains it like there's laser beams coming out from the bottom of his feet he does yeah and to to keep them pointed at your opponent's chest or head in that region uh, at all times thinking about such it's such a good way to think about it oh yeah shit yeah and it makes 
perfect sense. Like if someone controls your your foot, get rid of their control. Like pummel it in. If someone like moves your your feet away from them, they're they're obviously going for some form of Toriando pass or or whatever. They're trying to pass you. Get your feet back in front. And there's there's drills that you can do using that laser beam technique and and the feet off you drill and all sorts of drills to to practice that concept. But it has helped so much. Half the time, I don't my guard retention is just keeping my feet pointed toward my opponent. And they're like all confused about what to do, but it's just, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm not actually doing any like real jujitsu. I'm just keeping my feet pointed at them, right? Yeah. Now, another another technique or another conceptual thing is knees, uh, elbows to knees and knees to elbows, getting your knees to your chest. I, and I, you would see, you would have seen this a lot more than, than I, but when you are rolling and trying to pass a, a beginner white belt's guard, that's like one of the biggest mistakes they make is extending their feet, legs for some reason. Yeah, they, they just, just reach reach with, without intention and that just exactly. separates the knees from the chest and if there's nothing in the way of the chest, I can put my chest on your chest. And, exactly. You know, you just, Bob's you your uncle. You just That's got to be a very, it's got to yeah. be a very Australian expression, doesn't it? Bob's, Bob's your uncle. uncle. Yeah, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. <laughs> what? You haven't heard that one? The full one? But, oh, no. mate. You've been Australian? Anyway, uh, so it, it sounds very simple, but that elbows to knees and that uh, feet pointed, the laser beams pointed at them, those two in combination work brilliantly. Um, and, you know, simple ones in, in combination with that, always keep your opponent in front of you or like the 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 feet pointed at them works as well if you want to play that inverted guard, which I have been fucking around with a lot lately as well. Um, so, so would you like, would you just about summarize your current um you know like yeah like you said let's say it's the last six months you've been working on guard but Mm. it's been a bit sporadic because you moved countries you got married you went on a honeymoon and like a lot of things a lot of life things happened that just it wasn't like six months of training you know but let's just call it like a yeah chunk of time would you say that the majority of your um guard focus you could almost uh, describe it as you've just been working on guard retention to some My degree. My guard like, is not getting past, bro. Like, yeah, yes. To answer your question, my focus has been purely on retention, getting to the point where I I am fucking unpassable, uh, unless you're far better than me, but I'm, I'm clearly not. But I want, it, I want my guard to be at the point where I'm like unpassable. Now I'm finally at the stage where I'm building a, an attack repertoire and I've, I've started with the half guard, um, Kimura. Um, like, yeah, I've been doing triangles and stuff, but really honing in on that Kimura and that belly down armbar su- sequence that I'm talking about. Um, and I'm, again, super keen to add Choi Vars into that. But yes, my, ex- almost exclusively, the last six months, the, the biggest development in my guard game has been guard retention. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've... Um, we would have in, in previous episodes, I'm sure it's come up talking about the importance of guard retention and how, how guard retention gives you the liberty to have an incredibly offensive guard. And I, the way I always try to get it through to my students is I say, imagine if it doesn't matter how bad your armbar was when you, when you messed it up, it didn't matter if you went for a triangle and they ripped their head out and whatever. Imagine if no matter what failed submission or sweep you tried from guard, your guard wouldn't get past. 
you know, like, well, then you're going to have the confidence to attack whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I went through a period of stopping triangles because I kept getting like stacked or kept having people, Mm. you know, like turn the corner and like rip their head and arm out and pass me straight to side control. It's like, yeah, but if you have crazy good retention and you know that like, no matter what, like, you know, it doesn't matter if you throw a punch and it doesn't land, it doesn't equal you getting knocked out, you know, and mm-hmm. you're then going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be throwing down left, right and center. So, so I'll be, sorry, go, sorry on. go on. There you go. I was, I was just going to say, I'll be interested to hear if like, you know, then in two months time, like in 155, if you've then like narrowed it down a little bit, like if yeah. in 155, you're like, Oh, I've been working on, you know, butterfly half, and you know this is where I was two months ago, and and this is where I am today. Or like I have know, been I'm, working on butterfly half. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally like we have not spoken about that at all. <laughs> I've been no, working so on the, half guard butterfly half, like the because I know Gordon Ryan loves the sequence. I've been working on no, that. No, well, you know what? That'll be super interesting for me because like I I um you know like I I the idea of like you know the the label the watching people do butterfly half, whatever. I love it. Mm. Can I do it? No, I'm terrible at butterfly half. Like I'm really bad at it and I'd like Mm. to be good at it. But you know, Mm. so be, I'm not saying that's what you have to talk about on 155 or if it is, you know, whatever, but like, well, regardless of what you talk about in 10 episodes time, I'll be interested mm. to hear you talk about like, rather than just like, okay, I was doing some conceptual stuff and mm. with my guard and yeah, now I'm building actually offensive position, sweeps, submissions. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have been I have been working on offensively uh, in Nogi almost exclusively leg entanglement. So I'm like the ironically, I'm the guard fucking leg locker at this gym. Like that's what people think I am, which is it's funny it's like because so, it's like so opposite to like back what here. I actually am. Yeah, yeah. yeah Everyone knows he's yeah. like, you know, top top heavy pressure passer. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. there I'm like the fucking uh yeah, I'm still top heavy pressure passer, but yeah, anyway. Uh so Mike, what what I was gonna say, um, which is ironic because it's literally what you said, but in a different way, is I wanted to put to you. You know, I've been working on my guard. You know, now specifically, I've been working on half guard. I've been working on a bit of butterfly half, a uh, bit of butterfly guard as well. Uh, just all, all variations of open guard and half guard. What what would you want to see in terms of my development now? Um, would you want me now yeah, to can... start looking at attacks? Or... I can already I can already tell you what what I think it could be whether whether we call it a butterfly half or not doesn't really matter mm. like you could you could choose that route but um more specifically mm. I would like to see you um develop some somewhere in the area of of single leg x and x guard and why? When, but and why do I say that? Because when you end up there, you're actually quite good there, and you've got good, powerful like legs and midsection for it, and you've got like you know the length of your leg. Like my legs are, are long, so yeah, it's great if I stretch you out, but it's also can be really shit if and the lever's so long that people peel the foot off the hip, and you know then it's hard for me to fit a knee back. Like you're really good and compact there, and when you get there, you're great but your ability to, to actually force the entry and get there is not so great. 
right? Mm. For example, one position that you can use to get to a leg intent. And if you think about single leg X as Ashigurami or whatever you want yeah. to fucking call it, yeah. it's you're right. It's essentially a leg entanglement. Yep. Um, you know, and one of the ways you can get there is from butterfly half, right? It's actually a very typical way to get there from butterfly half is kind of scoop yourself underneath them and push them over the top of you. And you can potentially enter straight in on the saddle on that half guard leg, or if they pop up to their feet or whatever, you're in underneath into X guard or whatever. So like, you're quite good when you get there, but I don't, but you, you know, not particularly like you do, you do quite nicely just the standard shin on shin entry Mm. To, to single leg X. Um, but yeah, I think also gi and no gi, because no gi, it's like, you know, you're quite good chasing the, the outside heel hook and, and stuff. Mm. But in the gi, that's obviously not an option. And, you know, so that's then when we're more looking at, okay, well, I've got like straight footlock as an option or I've got sweeps as an option, you know. So whether, you, whether it's X guard or butterfly half, I think a natural progression for you would be some something that connects to that. So whether you okay. focus on entries to to X guard in little air quotes or whether you focus on, you know, a couple of entries and now you're looking at sweeps and submissions from there, whatever. But that sort of area I think would be a super valuable direction to point you in. Perfect. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And I do I do love that Ashigarami uh, X guarded position in Nogi. Uh, and I, I do, I have found working in Butterfly Half when you elevate uh, your, or even half guard, uh, sorry, butterfly guard, when you elevate, I tend to look for that circle in and around the outside for that um, X guarded position. And because you have the heel hook there, you can have straight foot lock if you're, you know, if, if it's against the, the rule set or whatever. So I, I do like that position. But you're right, in terms of forcing the entry to X and uh, single leg X, I don't have a, a good repertoire repertoire around that when i when i end in the position it's it's good but i can't force the position as as well as i should yeah that's like yes i think that'd be i think that'd be a good way for you to go awesome fuck yeah i'm working that um so as we near the end of our episode have you prepared a today i learned kieran yes this is a this is a today i learned slash shout out but more of a you guys need to check this shit out because i learn about it recently um and i want to i want to spread the word i think hopefully i haven't spoken about this before uh, i don't think i have but when i was on the 1-800 bjj help podcast which you should check out that episode uh it is less impressed more involved bjj the the guy that runs that youtube channel jake uh which we did talk this is about. sounding very similar to last week already yes but he has <laughs> a i i mentioned i might have mentioned that he has a platform did I tell you about this platform? Uh, that I can't remember. You mentioned you were like, oh, people don't realize that the guy from Less Impressed does has a podcast, right? And no, you were like, no, no, no. So, so this I is don't... not a, no. So I, have, I didn't talk about this. He showed me after the recording this platform that he has built. I, I'm pretty sure he has released a video uh, talking about it on his YouTube channel. Now, the platform is basically like a database search. So you can search any jujitsu related term into this database and it will show you exactly when that move set has been hit at in what competition by which athletes uh, by the the weight division and the exact time stamp that the move occurs now you Holy can do things shit. you can do things like butterfly guard 
a butterfly half. You can look at choy bars. You can look at Kimuras. You any anything. You can be as specific as you want or as general as you want. After you type in the search term, you can filter for um, you can filter for the level of competition, the belt level, the weight division, the gender, whatever you want. You can all these different uh, filter terms, and then it links directly to the flow grappling. Um, if it if that's where it's hosted on flow grappling, the exact timestamp to look at who 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 hit the move, whatever the result of the match, everything you need to know, or like a, all the information about the uh, the the match that you could possibly want to know, and it's all on a searchable database. So the reason that um shouting this out is I'm making a YouTube video at the moment, uh, which requires very specific footage of certain move sets being hit. Um, not because I'm doing a breakdown, it's just it's relevant to the video. And when it releases, it will be perfectly clear. So what Jake did is he used his platform, he recorded a video for me, typed in all my search terms, talked me through it, and sent it to me on, uh, like, sent me that video. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, when is this available? So it is actually releasing very, very soon. In the next, like, week, in, in the middle of this month, it is going out. And um, I think he has, like, a wait list at the moment for the platform. I, for some reason, I, I don't know the name of it, <laughs> what it, what it's been called, <laughs> but it's, it's fucking awesome. So if you go to less impressed, more involved BJJ, you'll be able to find a link to this. Um, and if I can find it, I'll put it in the, the description. You can sign up to his wait list and get a discount when it goes live. Again, I'm getting zero financial uh, compensation for this or anything like that. It's just fucking awesome. And I want the world to know about it. It's, it's going to yeah, break the world, I think. It's really, yeah. really cool. Awesome. What a fucking, yeah, that's sick. What a, it must have been quite the undertaking. I'll be excited like to, he's been to, working to on look this at for like it. A, like a year. He's got yeah. a developer on board. He's He's been fucking putting this together. And he, it started as a project to make it easier for him to edit his videos. And then all of a sudden, it's like built into this crazy fucking crazy software with all this back end. And, and it's just crazy. It's nuts. Man, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, my, my today I learned is, is, whatever the opposite of a shout out would be, I guess, um, which is a takedown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, out, well, no, no, it's just, it's just, a, it's just funny. I think. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's jujitsu related. So obviously some people might've already seen this. Some haven't, but uh, IBJJF who people love to hate. Right. And a lot of the, and a lot of the time for valid reasons, um, just released a document, uh, stating some rule changes to geese to uniforms that will be implemented after the 2024 Worlds. So um, at least they gave some leeway. Anyway, it's like a four or five page document. It's on their Instagram. You can read everything. And I mean, it more or less makes sense. It's not, I mean, I think people are uh, crying a little bit hard about it. Like it's just kind of some more specific details as to what's allowed and what's not allowed with like- well, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. They're just talking about like where you can stitch and where labels can go and colors and all, you know, all these sorts of restrictions in the production of the gi. Um, but the, the <laughs> but the funnier thing is, is like, is like, and it's a little bit confusing. I guess maybe I'm not super confused. I'm not a gi manufacturer, but I've like had gis made from yeah. factories. So I may be a little bit more like, 
clued in, but like, <laughs> but like, it's it's just it's just funny, man. The comments are hilarious. Like you just read through them, it's like, can someone tell us what's new? Because I'm out here reading 380 millimeters squared by 80 ounces, like I buy my geese from NASA. <laughs> like you know, and then like you know, and then some is like, this is why nobody likes your tournaments. ADCC is taking over. You know? Oh man. All your rules are like rocket science. I'm so confused, which they are a bit like, I mean, having, I've done all the bureaucratic requirements from IBJJF, which I think, at least for me and my job is important as a head coach. But like when I've done the rules seminars and stuff with them, I still walk out at the end being like, I don't know if I learned any, like I'm still confused. (laughs) This guy's like, all your rules are like rocket science. I'm so confused. Also pay my girlfriend that worked for you guys like a month ago. (laughs) You know, like it's just, I can't find this up there. Is it on there? Oh, it's it's like, yeah, it's like way back. You got to scroll for quite a while. Um, You know, and it's just like, and then other people saying concerns like, you know, you're just killing small gi manufacturers who, you know, are really going to struggle to meet these requirements and whatever, you know, it's like <laughs> complaining oh. about a tiny insignificant lapel tag is pretty ridiculous, but IBJJF is going to IBJJF, I guess, you know, and just like, it's, 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 it's quite funny. Like reading the comments, man, I had, I had quite a chuckle. So if people want some IBJJF banter and bashing, feel free to read that. Um, however, at the same time, even Shanji he, jumped on there and commented. Yeah, Shanji commented. But at the same time, right? Like, if the upcoming like Jujitsu Con, which is like the sort of big event that happens around World's Masters, has had over ten thousand competitors register for it. You know, making it the largest single Jujitsu event in the world. Um, so you know, love to hate them or whatever. They still they're still a big part of the sport currently, and mm, that is true. Um, well, let me but let yeah. me read one that I that just jumped out at me that is a little bit weird that may affect some designs. Is kimono pants must be made of a single fabric. Crotch area must be made with embossed braided fabric. So, that, so I think it says it can be made with embossed, right? Doesn't it? Must be made with a single fabric. Oh, crotch area can be made with embossed braided fabric. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but sorry, ju- just to clarify and i know this is probably boring for some people but does that mean those komodo pants that you see where the crotch area is a different fabric and it's like stretchy they're no longer allowed i've never seen ones that are stretchy well not like stretchy but but like like, yeah so so usually like usually the crotch of these of like gi pants it's not just a gi pants it's like karate pants taekwondo Mm -hmm. pants and everything they Mm -hmm. kind of have this like the, this the inner thigh from one thigh to the other thigh kind of has this diamond shape sort of area that's like stitched in there. Essentially, what what it's there for is why your pa- it's so your pants don't rip when you do the splits. Essentially, right? Like so, yeah. when you open your legs, they don't rip. So it's saying that um, you know you know sometimes you'll see gi pants where that crotch patch bit is like the wheat is for some reason they it's like the same similar fabric to a jacket of a gi some some gi brands do that patch bit with the you know that weave fabric mm. and i believe that's what they mean by that they're saying you can use that still oh if you want. okay but yeah there's other I don't you understand know any of this fucking shit there <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i didn't find it too confusing or over the top but i was also like you know whatever like you know um People be hating, and regardless oh, wow. of what they do or say, but yeah, that was my wait. Here's my thing: the 
the fabric for the kimono pants must be between 220 grams per meter square and 300 grams per meter square. So they're like saying that they can't be any lighter than that. Yeah, and they did that or for the jacket heavy. as well. They said the jacket has to be, I think, between 380, Ooh, 380 and, and 6 something. 650, um, yeah. Yeah, so which but, looked, so to be honest, man, like that, a... What about those well, what, really light ones? Yeah, what it means is you're not going to be able to, like you would... Competitors would typically have like a comp gi that would be super thin and light. So it would be yeah. like a good 500 grams lighter to make it easier to weigh in. Yeah. Obviously, you have to put the line somewhere. Like imagine, I mean, and I find it hard to argue about a point like that because the line has to go somewhere. Like imagine if someone turned up with like one of those paper thin Taekwondo gis to make weight and you'd mm. be like, well, that's just going to fucking rip, isn't it? Like, I mean, where's mm. the line? It has to be somewhere. And we, no. w I will say that in gi, depending on what gi, like everyone has rolled with someone wh where they're wearing an old gi or maybe one that's too small for them now. And it is so much harder to get like grips in general, especially pant grips. Um, yeah. So like the size requirements, this is more leaning toward the size, but also like the, the fabric choice and the, the weight of the gi, it all plays a part. It all makes a difference in how your how it affects your jujitsu on you know, on your opponent, like you were, yeah, it does. Your, like, your game. yeah, like I don't find the direction they're going. I mean, I didn't completely understand the document, nor did I study it, but I don't find the direction they're going that offensive. I mean, if you look at judo geese, they're incredibly strict because gripping is like the sport of judo doesn't exist without the gripping of the fabric, you know? Mm. So if they didn't meet certain measurements and requirements and whatever, so essentially, there's three main areas of the gi that like they're trying to control, which is like, and it's all to do with it being a level playing field for everyone being allowed to grip appropriately. So, you know, it's the size of the gi that has to fit a certain way, the thickness of the material and where you can, where and how you can embroider and put patches and stuff like, you know, so you can't embroider a patch somewhere that is a crucial gripping spot because then like, mm. you know, it it's like it really hard to, hard to make. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, they at the end of the day, they're just trying to make a level, level playing field for everyone. It was more some, the comment section that I found. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at them now, Have you jumped on and seen the comments from some actual, uh, gi manufacturers that are saying like one here, uh, I've never heard of this brand. I'm not even going to read it out, but they're saying you have really discriminated discriminated against many of the athletes wearing our brand while the athlete on the next mat is not in regulation uniform not sure what that means you were taking away the market of many brands that don't have multi-million dollar manufacturing budgets stop the favoritism and let the athletes compete in the brand and style they want sure white yeah, black and royal blue fitment blah 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 yeah okay yeah but i mean <laughs> i don't think Unless you're like Adidas, I don't think like any gi manufacturer has a million dollars of budget for fucking gis. Like, I don't no. know, maybe they do. I don't know. I'm not privy to that sort of information, but it's not like, it's not the biggest oh. market in the world, you know. But, yeah. um, I mean, Hyperfly and some of the bigger brands, like uh, yeah, maybe. the other one, Tatami, that'd be making a fucking bit of coin. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, anyway, it's... um. That was my little shout out. So if you want some lols, have a read of that. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, don't, like, don't even bother looking up the requirements. It's not like it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's seriously not that interesting. Look, Just make sure it yeah, fits. I'm, like if your your fucking gi fits and you don't have patches and dumb spots, you'd be fine, right? I don't know. I guess so. And it's like, the right color. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that'd be sweet. I don't know how they're going to be able to 
go, oh, that's 350 GSM and not 380. Oh, the um, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, guys, that was, um, yeah, that was our first, our second go at a recurring segment, but our first go at, um, yeah, what will be a, a, a recurring episode. And hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're still at this point, you, you have. But, um, yeah. I think that was, uh, I, I enjoyed my project of Troy Bars. I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, Ooh, can we know if, what the next one is or have you not decided yet? No, I think I have decided, but I might change it just based off your question where you asked me advice as to what you should work on. Because I was going to just kind of- also going to work on X-Guard. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of going to work on X-Guard just because it's like a, a guard that I like, but I'm not particularly mm. great at. And I feel like I should be better at it than I am. And I also wanted a guard. Actually, originally I was going to do spider guard and I'm very on board with, you know, if you're in the game, do grips and whatever. But if, if yeah. you're in no, like, you know, opposed to having a game that works in both, but, yeah, you. um, you know, but if the, I wanted to pick something that is so I can kind of talk a bit more gi and no gi. So then I was like, Oh, mm. you know, I'll do X guard, but then, that's what you're going to do, so I might I might change it. Undecided mm. yet? Well, it's it's funny. My my gi and no gi game used to be like the same, but then I started working on pressure passing in more detail. And I used to try and if you look at some of my earlier comp footage, competition footage, I'm trying to pressure pass in no gi, and sometimes it works, but a lot of the time it doesn't because that yeah, style yeah. of over under does not work in no gi. You no, need the pan grips. I think it used to it. it used to back in the day, but you know. No geese come a long way and you, you need those grips to anchor you into that Oh, path. shit, yeah. So now I actually pass in no gi, Toriando style. I go around and like I'm, I'm oh, in and shit. out. And yeah, you wait. I'm fucking like a, a new guy this last three months, bro. Yeah, Man. yeah. So, so <laughs> last, last episode we were talking about like Kieran's excitement to train with certain people when he comes back and his yeah. overall strategy for me is just have a good gas tank because mine's so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but now it's going to be like, it's going to be like Kieran's going to walk into the gym with a good gas tank and a list of everything I've been working on yeah. <laughs> incrementally yes. over the past two months. In, in order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I yeah. look forward to it. i got to have some sort of fucking yeah. advantage here. Come on. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what I work on for episode 155. I might, I might, I mean, I was already working on X Guard tonight, you know, specifically oh, well. with people who I struggle with at doing it. But, um, but yeah, maybe I'll change it or maybe I'll do X Guard and, you know, we'll just be bouncing off each other in the episode. We'll see. Yeah, that would be good. So you go first though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave All it. All right, out. guys. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, as always, if you want to send us any messages or any questions, at Jiu-Jitsu underscore podcast. Message me directly on my gym Instagram, Vantage Jiu-Jitsu. Message Kieran on his YouTube, his Instagram, Kieran Lefebvre. He's everywhere. All right, guys, thanks so much, and we look forward to seeing you, episode 146.